0: There's a book in the Bible where the name of God is never mentioned. You can read the entire book. Not one religious word in it. Not mercy, grace, peace, Jesus. It's the book of Esther in the Old Testament. But even though God's name is nowhere mentioned in the book, you sense his presence there dominating everything that happens. It's kind of like a a large dollhouse where the roof is removed some huge father can lean into that dollhouse he can move the people around he can rearrange the furniture he can make anything happen in that dollhouse that he wants the the huge father nowhere appears in the dollhouse but he controls everything that's happening and that's kind of how it is in the book of Esther God nowhere appears in the book but he controls everything that's happening. This morning, I would like to tell the story of Esther through the eyes of one of the minor characters in the book. The man is on the palace staff. He's an aide to the king. He's on the inside. He knows everything that's going on. Okay? How would this man, who never hears the name of God, how would he explain things? What sense would he make out of what's happening? My name is Harbona. My job? Depends on what country you're in. In Britain, I would be called a personal valet. In your country, male private secretary. In my country, I am Harbona, Chamberlain to Xerxes, king of Persia. You may know him by the name Ahasuerus. I am his chamberlain. At first, I hesitated to take the job. Because you never knew about Xerxes. One day, you'd be going along fine, everything would be friendly, and without warning, he would turn on you. For example, once Pythias, one of his leading officials offered Xerxes 40 million dollars to help finance one of our military campaigns. 40 million. Xerxes was overwhelmed by the loyalty, refused the money, even gave Pythias a present besides. But then a little later when Pythias hinted that maybe his oldest son could be excused from the military campaign, Xerxes was so infuriated he hacked the boy in two and he marched the army down the road between the pieces. You never knew about Xerxes. Another time a storm at sea destroyed three hundred of his ships. Xerxes grabbed a strap went down to the seashore and he beat the sea 300 times, once for each ship. See why I hesitated to take the job? But I took it. I made up my mind, I'm going to get along with Xerxes. Never rub him the wrong way. Just go with the tie. But let me tell you about a series of amazing coincidences we've had here in Persia lately. We've had the most peculiar chain of events take place. It's kind of funny how it all worked out. It all started years ago after what we call the Bay of Salamis fiasco. Xerxes was making a bid to take over Greece expand the Persian Empire, doing all right until one naval battle, Bay of Salamis, entire Persian navy destroyed. Xerxes had to sneak back to Persia on a fishing boat. But for the longest time after that, he's down in the dumps. No spark no interest and then he started moaning about Vashti poor Vashti how he'd done her wrong Vashti was the queen he had gotten rid of hey unfortunate affair yeah but what's past is past wouldn't it be good to keep moping about it Thought to myself, something's got to be done to put some life back in the Xerxes. What can we do? What can we do? I know women and lots of them. I told him my idea why don't you gather beautiful young virgins from all over the kingdom here to the palace why don't you get to know them and maybe you'll find one you like well enough to make your new queen he went for the idea it wasn't long until we had the best-looking girls in all Persia right here at the palace whole thing did wonders for Israel saw them all but there was one in particular that caught his eye he began to see more and more of her. Pretty soon, sure enough, Xerxes had found himself a new queen. The girl's name was Esther. As far as I'm concerned, he picked the best one. A real beauty. Only thing about Esther, though, she... She didn't look Persian to me. Yeah, what difference does that make? She was a good-looking queen, and Xerxes was his old self again. Things went on real smooth after that for about five years. And then one day, when Xerxes was holding court, in hopped Haman, Haman was the king's favorite. Haman had been rapidly rising in our state department the past few years. He was now actually number two man in the kingdom. I didn't didn't care for Haman. I didn't trust him. Never told Xerxes, "Mm -mm, go with the tide. Haman had this little speech all prepared for Xerxes. Xerxes, scattered throughout your kingdom, there are a group of people who are a very disruptive element. They, they have their own peculiar laws. They don't pay attention to our Persian ones. It's really to your disadvantage to continue to tolerate them. Now, I, I suggest that we pass a decree, a decree that they be destroyed. I myself will advance personal funds to take care of the matter. Sounds like a good idea, Haman. Follow through on it. Hey, Haman, keep your money. Use government funds. Just like that. Didn't ask who he was talking about. What? But it wasn't Xerxes that puzzled me. That's just the way he was sometimes. It was Haman. I couldn't see what Haman was getting at. It's not like him to be so free with his money unless... There's something in it for him. I decided to find out what was going on. The fellow who taught Haman's sons was a friend of mine. I asked him, you know what it was? Haman wanted to liquidate an entire race of people because of one member of that race. Now, just because he was irritated with one of them, he wanted to destroy them all. Here was his problem. We have in Persia what we call a citizens council. This council is composed of one representative from every racial, ethnic, national group in the kingdom. The purpose of the council is to decide minor issues that don't require the attention of the king. Well, Haman's job, number two man in the kingdom, is to drop in on this council every so often just to see that things are going okay. Whenever he comes into the Citizens' Council, all the representatives from all the racial national groups, they all get up, they all bow down to Haman. All the representatives bow down to him except for one of them, the Jewish representative. just stays seated in his chair. Okay for you, Mr. Jewish Representative. I'll get you and your people. And that's who Haman was after, the Jews. He wanted to liquidate the Jews, I mean liquidate I saw the decree after he got through filling it out. It was brutal. Destroy, kill, and annihilate all Jews. Young and old, women and children on December 13th and confiscate their property. Destroy, kill, annihilate. That ought to do it. All Jews. All Jews. Young, old, women, children. December 13th, December 13th. Those poor Jews have nine months to live. As I thought about it, it didn't make sense to me. Near as I could tell, reason the Jewish representative doesn't get up and bow down, something to do with his religious beliefs. We Persians have always been tolerant of other people's religions. Bah, Haman gets my goat. Thought of saying something to Xerxes, but why stick my neck out? Besides, too late, too late. The decree is already circulated throughout the kingdom. A few days later, I was on the second floor of the palace, went by an open window out into the courtyard when I heard an awful commotion out there. I looked out there and some guy is wailing, screaming, making an awful noise, and he's a mess. He's a mess. His hair is... His face is smeared, soot, ashes, clothes... Torn, shredded. I thought to myself, somebody's got to tell that guy, get away from the palace. I'm going over to the steps to go down to do it when I bump into Haytack. Haytack is the queen's attendant. Haytack seems to be going the same way I'm going, only he's carrying some clothes. And I say, what are you doing? And he says, well, the queen wants me to take these clothes out to the fellow out in the courtyard. I thought, oh, okay, I'll let you handle it. Yeah. and tell him to get away from the palace. I thought, eh, Esther, all heart. How many queens do you know that would care about a bum who needed clothes? But Haytack's coming back in. He still has the clothes with him. What's the matter? Weren't they his size? Do you know who that is? No. That's the Jewish representative. No. Well, he does have something to holler about if he's seen the decree. He told me to give this paper to the queen and to tell her to see Xerxes about it. Let me see. Yeah. It's copy of the decree. But why bother Esther with it? It's none of her affair. She just, he just told me to tell her to see Xerxes about it. See, Xerxes, Xerxes doesn't know anything. He knows about a decree. He doesn't know it's against the Jews. Besides that, why go through the queen? What's she got to do with this? I don't know, but but I better do like you said. Okay, let me have it back. Okay. A little later that day, I saw Haytak again. Looked like he was sitting on a powder keg. Hi, Haytack, How's it going? Harbona. Harbona. You'll never believe it. You'll never believe it. The queen's a Jewess. You're kidding. She's Jewish. No wonder she didn't look Persian to me. (laughs) When I showed her the decree, she turned real pale, but she didn't want to go see Xerxes about it. He hasn't called for her now in about a month. Yeah, 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 I'm one of his moods again lately. She told me to go back and tell the Jewish representative Mordecai's his name. He's her uncle. She told me to tell Mordecai, not a good time. If she went in uninvited, Xerxes might do something severe. But her uncle said, good time or no, it's against all Jews. And being queen won't spare her. So what's Esther going to do? She's going to take her chances and go in and see Xerxes. Harbona, you think we ought to say something to Xerxes about? Are you kidding? I'm not about to get caught between Haman, Xerxes, and Esther. Let events take care of themselves. Few days later, Xerxes is holding court. Side door opens. Chester, man, she looks good. She really fixed herself up. Xerxes put down the scepter, which meant that she was free to approach when she got closer he could see that something was bothering her he can be real tender when he wants to be you ought to hear him Esther what is it what can I do for you name it and you can have it and I thought she would come out with it but she didn't and later I thought well okay Haman wasn't there because what she said was would Xerxes and Haman join her in the queen's suite for a specially catered lunch at noon. Okay, Lunch comes. Xerxes again kind of probes what's, what's the reason here. And she says, would Xerxes and Haman come for a second lunch tomorrow? And I'm thinking, what are you waiting for? Why don't you come out with it? You know, kind of funny that she didn't tell him at that first lunch. Because a couple of very interesting things happened between those two lunches. If she told him at the first lunch, it would have been too soon because of what happened between those two lunches. Amazing coincidence, amazing. The first thing that happened between those two lunches, and I got this from the tutor at Haman's house, that night, Haman floated home on a cloud through a big party, gathered all of his friends, gave them his own personal success story, how he had been rapidly promoted through the State Department to the number two spot in the kingdom, and today the climax, private luncheon engagements with royalty. The only moth in his Persian rug was Mordecai. Even with the decree out, Mordecai still would not get up and bow down. And so that night, Haman and all of his friends, they fixed up the huge tree in the backyard into a gallows. And they decided that first thing in the morning, Haman would talk to Xerxes about hanging the Jewish representative. Second thing that happened, between the two lunches, And this is really weird. That night, Xerxes had insomnia. Couldn't sleep. And he usually slept dead to the world. But about 2 o'clock in the morning, I heard it. Harbona! Harbona! I was in the other next room asleep. Yes? Carbona, I can't sleep. Bring something to read to me. How about the memoirs of your reign? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. Got the scrolls, came back. Any particular place you want me to start reading? Two, three years back. Started reading. After I'd been reading for about 15 minutes, came across a very interesting paragraph. Something about how one day on his way to the citizens' council meeting, the Jewish representative overheard a plot to assassinate the king. But the Jewish representative tipped off the queen Foiled the plot, saved the king's life. Xerxes so perked up when I read. I remember Esther telling me. Was anything ever done to reward him? What's his name? Mordicke? <laughs> Mordecai. Was anything ever done to reward him? Can the next few paragraphs? No. Harbona. First thing in the morning, you remind me, we'll take care of that oversight. Okay? this is a fine how do you do Haman's gonna hang him Xerxes is gonna honor him I can't wait for morning. <laughs> first thing on the throne Xerxes doesn't need any reminding is any of my advisors available somebody said Haman's outside send him in in came Haman rare to tell the king his idea about hanging the Jewish representative never got the first word out Haman, Haman There's a man in my kingdom that I owe a lot to. I'm deeply indebted to this man. I want in some public way to show my appreciation. Do you have any ideas? Did Haman have any ideas? He thought it was himself. Ah oh, Xerxes, yes, let's see. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh for 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 whoever this might be, um I would I would put a gold crown on his head. I would drape over his shoulders the king's ceremonial robes. I would set him on the king's stallion and then have one of your leading officials conduct him through the public streets shouting, this is a man the king wants to honor. Haman, that's good. Look, you're a public official. You do that for the Jewish representative. Mordickey's his name. You'll be getting out of the council meeting right now. You meet him there with all of the trimmings that you mentioned. And Haman, shout loud. I owe this man a lot. I wish you could have seen Haman's face. One minute he was... You know, and then the next minute... Xerxes so turned to me and he says... What's the matter with Haman? Doesn't he feel well? No, I don't think so. No. See what I mean about things falling into place? The morning went by, we got glowing reports of Haman's little parade. When lunchtime came and he arrived, he looked a little beat, but he pretty well pulled himself together. It was a good lunch. Haman, Xerxes, Esther, and as they were lingering over dessert, Xerxes turned to Esther and he said, "Esther, something's been on your mind the past few days. I want you to—I want you to tell me what it is. Can I do anything for you? Can I give you anything?" Here it comes. Sure enough. Yes, Xerxes. There's something you can do for me. There's something you can give me. Give me my life. Give me the lives of my people. We are about to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. Each one of those words was like a slap in the face to Haman. Xerxes, what are you talking about? Who would dare do such a thing? Name the man! Haman. Haman? Against the decree! And that was too much for Xerxes. He had to go out through the patio, out into the garden to think things over. And when Xerxes left, Haman fell apart. Esther, Esther, I had no eye. Esther, I never would. Esther, please believe. She just turned her face away from him. He came over to the chair where she was, got down on his knees, began to plead with her when she wouldn't pay attention. He began to kind of pull at her to make her listen to them. She had to kind of push him away and... Just then, Xerxes came back in, took one look, came up with the wrong idea. (laughs) Will you molest the queen in my own palace? Cover his face. That was it for Haman. When you cover the face, when you drop the death veil, no longer for them to look on the king and the king no longer to see them in existence. When you cover the face, it's all over. I spoke up then. I don't usually, but it seems safe. Uh, Xerxes uh, Haman had fixed up that huge tree in his backyard to hang the Jewish representative on. makes a high gallows. Hang him on it. And they did. They also passed a new decree. In Persia, you cannot revoke a decree once it's out there, but you can pass a second decree to kind of counterbalance it. And the second decree said that when December 13th came, the Jews could use whatever means they wanted to to defend themselves against anyone who came to do them harm. In fact, the new decree said the Jews could actually band together and take the initiative against their enemies and the government would ask no questions. You should have seen the Jews dancing in the street when that one came out. (laughs) Later that day, I was on the second floor looking out that courtyard window. Thinking back over the amazing chain of events that had taken place. Esther being picked queen out of all those girls. Mordecai, being the Jewish representative, saving the king's life. Xerxes, having insomnia, just the right night. Looked out in the street, saw the Jews dancing, celebrating in the street looked over the palace wall saw Haman dangling from the tree thought about how all those coincidences had worked together said to myself Those Jews, they sure are lucky (laughs) to the God who has chosen you and made you special in his eyes. to the God who hovers around you unseen to protect you from harm and to give you the future he's planned for you. To our great and good God, be glory forever, amen.